What is up, everybody? Welcome back to Bitcoin and Markets. My name is Ansel Lindner. Go to bitcoinandmarkets.com and sign up for my free weekly newsletter. Welcome back to another exciting episode of Bitcoin and Markets. We'll try to get this one down. I just recorded the whole show and it sounded like I was in a tunnel. So I had to go back and change my audio settings. Um, okay, so today we're going to go over a couple articles that I included on the most recent newsletter. That is the Consortium Against Bitcoin Proof of Work. And the second article is the EU attacking Bitcoin privacy, private wallets and things like that. We'll cover cover that when we get there. Before I jump into it though, guys, check out FedWatch. You can find my other podcast there by going to any podcast app and just searching FedWatch Bitcoin. We had a recent interview with Matthew Pines. Um, he is a fellow at the Bitcoin Policy Institute and wrote a very good report on Bitcoin and U.S. strategic interests, or what would he call it? <laughs> National security interests. So it was a great interview and, and we cover a lot of things. It was a really great episode. Check it out. FedWatch number 88. Okay, let's get into these stories. We have this new consortium that came out this week. I'm not sure exactly what they're calling it. Some people are calling it Bitcoin Green. Um, I think there's already a Bitcoin Green, but anyway, it's a consortium by Greenpeace and Ripple to, and others. Well, let me just read the article from Bitcoin Magazine. So the headline is Greenpeace Ripple lobby to move Bitcoin away from proof of work. Several climate activist groups, including Greenpeace and billionaire Ripple co-founder Chris Larson, scammer, are launching a campaign to advocate for Bitcoin moving away from proof of work, a consensus mechanism they argue consumes an unsustainable amount of energy. The Change the Code, Not the Climate campaign will attempt to lobby institutions in the Bitcoin industry that pledge an environmental, social, and governance agenda, ESG, buy ads in leading publications, and appeal to communities allegedly suffering from Bitcoin miners' noisy activities to try and convince investors that Bitcoin could use a different consensus protocol that is supposedly both better for the environment and enables a similar degree of security. The rest of the article goes on to talk about the counter-arguments against this, and they're good. They do a good job of doing that, so I'm not going to cover that too much other than just to outline them here. And then I'll get into my main arguments against this. Um, the, the typical counter-arguments to hard forks in Bitcoin go as follows. And for those newbies, hard forks are incompatible changes. A soft fork is a new version that is compatible, that can talk back and forth with old versions and new versions. The first of these counter-arguments usually is, if you change Bitcoin's proof of work, you change what Bitcoin is and you make it not really work anymore. Proof of work was the invention that enabled Bitcoin's distributed consensus. Proof of work enables all distributed consensus. Without that, you know, there would be no crypto. So if you take uh, proof of work out of Bitcoin, you make it not work. And before Bitcoin was launched, they tried proof of stake for years, if not decades before Bitcoin came out with proof of work. It never was adequate. It might work for a small time, but it required centralization, some centralization. 
And it got more centralized as time went on. Proof of work is the only thing that can have a robust, robust distributed consensus through time. So if you take Bitcoin away, you kill all of crypto, actually, because Bitcoin is what is the umbrella that enables all this other stuff underneath it. Bitcoin's proof of work and decentralization, its distributed consensus, is what this space is built on. It's not like you can take Bitcoin's proof of work away and the rest of the space is going to be untouched. Anyway, uh, this article goes well into that argument. But the second argument that you usually hear is the benefits that Bitcoin has to renewable energy uh, and that as is, Bitcoin will lead to an efficient, clean, and sustainable future. Um, again, they do a good job in the article with that. That's not my forte. My forte is about the economics and the game theory of the whole thing. And my response to this uh, quote-unquote attack on Bitcoin would be, go for it. Do it, please. <laughs> please do it. I don't care about them. Because I know it is impossible to hard fork Bitcoin. It doesn't matter how many companies that they convince or how many politicians that they bribe, how many miners are on board. Bcash had 80% of hash rate on board, and it failed. As long as there is a Bitcoin status quo option, you cannot hard fork Bitcoin. The original network, the original version, will get the name Bitcoin and all the value. It doesn't matter. How can I say that so confidently? Uh, it's the game theory behind it. You know, Bitcoin wasn't lucky to survive the scaling debate. Bcash wasn't unlucky in that they just happened to crash and not keep the mantle of Bitcoin. This was the logical outcome. And I'll go through why that is. You guys are probably aware of the prisoner's dilemma. This is where the a game, the two-player game, always ends in defection. Both players defecting because their incentive, like their optimal outcome would be for them to coordinate. But individually, they're incentivized to defect and not coordinate. So they won't. This is called a coordination failure. In, in Bitcoin, this defection can't be avoided as long as there's an intolerant minority present. Even with the weight of a country or all the miners, uh, it doesn't matter. As long as there's an intolerant minority out there, it makes coordination impossible. You cannot get 100% coordination, and that's what you need. Because as long as some people are defecting, other people will defect. So hard forks, therefore, will only result in altcoins. They cannot change Bitcoin. Um, we are also offered a false choice. In this case, from idiots over at Greenpeace and the scammer Chris Larson. They say the choice is proof of work, it's dirty and gross and wasting energy, or proof of stake, it's super clean and nice. First off, proof of stake doesn't work, and proof of work is not dirty. <laughs> but anyway, that, that's a false choice, because there, the original chain will exist. As long as there's not 100% coordination, the original chain will exist. So there is no world out there where there was just a proof-of-stake Bitcoin version. The choice is, 
both of your options have Bitcoin proof of work version. And one of them has a Bitcoin proof of stake version, altcoin. That's your choice. So proof of work and proof of stake existing together or just proof of work. Now, I personally wouldn't mind having an altcoin created because you can dump it and buy more Bitcoin. And I think if you look at individual incentives, it's most people would agree with that. But I mean, you do get a value bump from this whole thing failing before it gets to a hard fork because it will prove the robustness of Bitcoin and the security of Bitcoin. Hey guys, I have a quick addition during my edit of the show to this part. If people's incentives are aligned to want a hard fork in order to dump it, we'll see that priced in. And we saw that during the Bcash debacle, the futures market priced in people dumping it. And if that can happen fast enough, maybe a hard fork won't even happen because they see that it is futile right from the beginning. This is just one more thing that adds up saying that the original chain will keep the name and the value. So it's a win-win for Bitcoin. So go ahead and do it. I dare you. Please do it. Please hard fork Bitcoin because it'll make me money. It's better for everyone if you do it. So go ahead, do it. Find out the hard way that this doesn't work. There's no way to get 100% coordination with an intolerant minority. If someone can defect, they will defect, and that keeps Bitcoin secure and makes all hard forks altcoins. Okay, let's move on to the next one. Okay, let's move on to the next one. (laughs) (laughs) All right, the next article is about Europe. They are trying to ban private Bitcoin wallets. And I'll just read what I have here from the newsletter. The European Union is making a hasty decision to apply draconian KYC requirements broadly to Bitcoin. Just when it looked as though cooler heads were prevailing in Europe with the defeat of the Bitcoin mining ban a couple weeks ago, this new regulation will apply strict KYC to all Bitcoin transactions, effectively making many transactions impossible in the EU. So far, this new proposal has only passed the first phase or hurdle in becoming a new law, but troubling development all the same. But a troubling development all the same. The reason why I said that it effectively makes many transactions impossible is because you know, for small businesses or individuals, they're not going to be able to afford to KYC people. Um, It takes some cost to do so. And it takes cost to maintain a database of these customers, private information and make it secure. So that will push out a lot of these smaller transactions from Bitcoin. And that's even if it can be applied to things like the Lightning Network, which we'll get into here in a minute. Now, this just seems to me like some ignorant attempt at protecting the euro. The euro is in major, major trouble. They're in an energy crisis. They're in a food crisis. They're in a credit crisis. They have Russia moving into Ukraine and they can't do anything about it. I just saw that the Baltic states today, Lithuania, Latvia, and Estonia are closing. They're probably going to close their border to Russia. And they're kicking out Russian diplomats. Now, this is a big thing because Kaliningrad, which is Russian territory, is landlocked, at least doesn't touch mainland Russia. It is behind uh, the territory of, 
I think it's Lithuania and Poland. It, it borders. So that would be an escalation. You know, it would be isolating Kaliningrad and seen as an escalation probably by the Russians. So now you're not only are you facing all of these problems, but now you're trying to ramp it up more, cause more problems for yourself. The euro is diving. It's down to 109. It'll probably go lower, much lower against the dollar. Just look at the uh, stable coins, which we did talk about during the Matthew Pines interview over on FedWatch. Um, there are about, I would say, 100 million. I haven't looked at the exact numbers in a while, but say there's about 100 million euro tether out there. So tether that's denominated in euros, but there's 100 billion in dollar tether. And why is that? Well, that alone is a lesson in monetary dynamics. Okay. You're going to choose the money with the biggest network effects. And if your choice is between the dollar and the euro, in this case, you're going to pick the dollar for your stable coin. Look at euro. The euro is everybody knows the euro will die eventually. The European Union will break up eventually. And that is starting to creep into everybody's mind. So to fight this, to keep Bitcoin away from taking any marginal people away from the euro, they're going to try to put these draconian regulations in. They couldn't get there with the Bitcoin mining ban. Now they're doing this thing on wallets. There's going to be something next. It would be a huge burden. And they know this. This is a regulators and bureaucrats. They know just enough to attack Bitcoin. Thanks to places like Coin Center stuff. I think this is what they're trying to do. They're trying to save the euro by clamping down on alternatives and launching a CBDC that's coming next. The ECB is terrified of having no digital euros out there in the private market. It all has to be provided by them. So they're going to provide it and they're going to provide regulation to herd you in to their system. But all they're doing is shrinking their network. They're just shrinking their network, benefiting Bitcoin and benefiting the dollar at this point. So anyway, that's all I had to say about this one. Um, last thing, I'll just say, hey guys, if you are down in Miami this week and you recognize me from the FedWatch podcast or anything like that, uh, come up, say hi. I'd love to meet my listeners. Uh, so anyways, I will see you there if you're down in Miami at the Bitcoin 2022 conference. And that's it. See you next time.